Welcome to the CRE Marketing Call Meetup with your host, yours truly, Sarah Malcolm of Quiet Valor, Joshua Lyons of Joshua Lyons Marketing, and Linda Day Harrison of The Broker List. And we're so happy to have you all join us today. All right, let's go. Today we are talking about why representation matters in marketing. This topic is near and dear to my heart, and I'm going to, I'm not going to do the introductions, but I'm going to um, quickly just say a few words about this panel because I'm just so freaking excited. Rashawn Jackson, I've met him a long time ago. I don't remember how many years it's been now, um, but I'm not counting because that means I'm getting old. But I met him at ICSD uh, when he first came to DLC um, and we hit it off right away. And I found out he was Jamaican, my husband's Jamaican, so we had that in common, which was really exciting. And then I found out he was like this incredible marketer, he's super creative, was like, I'm not gonna do what everyone else is doing in commercial real estate, I'm gonna do it out of the box. And you know, at that point, he was like a one-man show, like pulling tricks out of his hat, and I was just super impressed. So that's how, you know, and again, when I first came up with this idea of, of you know, of having this call um, on this specific topic, Rashawn was my first go-to person. I was like, hey, can you lead this talk? I really want to do this. And he was like, I'm super in, uh, which I'm so appreciative. And then um, Tiffany, I just met through OSA. And can I tell you, Rashawn and I were talking yesterday about Tiffany and we're like, we, like, she is so smart. We are so impressed with her. She's like so talented. And I'm like, just, and, and she comes from, you know, outside of our in industry, like, you know, somewhere that we're just not used to having access to, which is really cool. So I'm super excited to have her perspective in this conversation. And then Osa, my OG from ICSC, Osa and I met when I worked at ICSC, and she was leading REAP um, at that point, which she'll tell you more what REAP is. And um, I just instantly clicked with her. Um, you know, we became fast friends and it was really funny because I, I was pregnant with my first kid and we just were talking one day and, and we were like, and she's like, I'm pregnant too. And I'm like, wait, I'm pregnant. Okay. That was our first child. Then again, a year after we had our kid, we had this exact same conversation. I was like, oh, I'm pregnant again. She's like, I'm pregnant again. I'm like, this is getting ridiculous. And then I left ICSD. And I ran into her at a conference and we both ran into each other and we had these huge bellies. We we're both pregnant with our third. So it was just, it's like such a weird situation, but I just absolutely love it. And I love that we have that in common. Um, so anyways, but Osa's near and dear to my heart. So with that said, I'd love Rashawn to kind of take the lead, taking the lead today and um, gonna leave this discussion on why representation matters. And I will let him take it over from here. Thanks Rashawn. Well, thank you, Sarah. I really appreciate it. I want to thank all the folks from CRE Marketing for having us. I know I speak for my colleagues, Tiffany and Osa, where, you know, we're really flattered that you would consider us for this uh, conversation. And, you know, we're hopeful that you guys will get some real good insights from this conversation. We thought it would be, um, you know, a little better if we changed up the format and had a free-flowing conversation. So, we're gonna step outside the box a little bit, but I think it's gonna be fun, enlightening, and we encourage folks, if they have any questions 
or any topics they want to bring up that speaks closely to this matter, uh, drop it in the chat and we'll be sure to get to it before the end of the call. So without further ado, I want to jump right in. Um, why representation matters. And you know, we might go outside of the lines of CRE and CRE marketing, but I think it all helps us really understand the uh, the issues here. So, you know, I'll start it off like this. You know, the past 12 months have been a whirlwind of emotions, opinions, protests when it comes to topics like representation. And brands like individuals have tried to make sense of it all. Um, you know, how do we say the right thing? Where do we stand? Are we a part of the problem? Uh, very tough questions, but it, you know, one theme that will always resonate, in my opinion, is authenticity. So that's what we aim to do today. Um, we're going to touch on three main issues uh, or main areas. Uh, that would be the workplace, the creative process, and recruiting, and how it relates to our our industry. So I'll kick it off here. Um, you know, the first question out of the gate would be directed towards OSA. Uh, OSA, how can companies avoid the mistake of waiting on new cycles and trends to take action on diversity and inclusion and instead make representation a foundation of their company culture? OSA? We lose OSA? All right. Well, maybe I think, I'll. Um, I think Osa might be on mute. Osa, are you on mute? Sorry. Can you? Can you? Hey, Osa. Okay. Okay. Give me one minute. Oops. All right. We're gonna get back to Osa. Tiffany, are you there? Lose everyone. Muting is a love-hate. We like to mute, but we hate to mute. <laughs> How about now? Can you hear me? I can. I can. Okay. So would you um, want to take Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, just from the beginning, you know, to avoid sort of being reactionary, I think it's important to include diversity initiatives at the onset of planning and in strategy sessions. So. Um, it does take a little bit of time to do the research and to gain insights and trends, but in order to be culturally relevant, um, whether you're a CRE brand or consumer packaged goods, beauty and lifestyle, it's really important to understand who your audience is and who's driving and creating culture. And so if you're really committed to um, DNI initiatives, I believe that it's extremely important to be able to have these conversations at the onset of planning as you're thinking about a product rollout or any financial analysis. You know, it's important to have this in the beginning rather than at the end and kind of putting it on top of an initiative. And so, again, when you speak to authenticity, um, having these voices um, at the beginning is really important. And Osa, what about you? I think Rashawn is um, muted. Sorry, guys. Can you hear me now? There you go. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I was unmuted, but not sure why. So, yeah, Osa, we want to touch on the idea behind 
companies being a little more proactive and not waiting on news cycles to make diversity and inclusion a priority? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so sorry, Tiffany, I, I, I did not hear your answer. So if I'm repeating myself, I apologize. But uh, in, in order for us to do that, we have to sort of look at the structural, the cultural, and the organizational uh, barriers within an organization. Uh, and, and I look at it in several parts, you know, looking at the culture of the organization, you know, how diverse is your leadership team, how diverse is your marketing team, uh, that can allow us to eliminate any mistakes in, in diversity and inclusion. Um, looking at the attitude of your employees and your team, you know, finding ways to avoid group biases, uh, you know, uh, views of how one may view another person as either similar or different from them. So that means uh, making sure that you are inclusive when it comes to religion and gender and age, race, sexual orientation, disability status, um, and just making sure that this all ties to what the organization's mission is. Uh, and that is that are, those are ways that we can avoid that from happening. Absolutely. And, you know, I'll even add to it because this kind of irks me is, you know, diversity and inclusion isn't a topic just for February, right? Yes. It isn't a topic when uh, there's a whole lot of hashtags going around, right? This should be something that's built into the foundation of your company culture. And when we talk about authenticity, that's how you can speak to authenticity. When you're allowing these conversations to happen in October or June or September, that's when it will resonate with both your employees internally and the folks, your partners, your customers externally, when you're making this a priority and you're focusing on it throughout the year. That way it kind of shows that it's interwoven into your culture. So I'll, you know, I'll, you know, piggyback off of that and point this one to you, Tiffany. Um, why do we always see diversity on the bottom rung of the corporate ladder? You know, there's a glass ceiling, it seems there. And, you know, how can we shatter these barriers and kind of put them to bed once and for all. Yeah, I, I mean, again, building on what Osa was saying, it really starts with team building from the organization and a commitment to um, creating diverse workplaces across different levels. So if you are coming into an industry out of undergrad or graduate school, um, you're, you may find yourself, you know, excelling even at a certain rate, even, you know, hopping from agency to agency, in my case, um, on the agency, creative agency side, or even within an organization. But then you start to see that as um, you start to mature in the organization, there's less people that look like you, um, quote unquote, at the top. So I think psychologically, that also creates a barrier for talent to make, to make it seem like there isn't a place for me within this organization. And so um, that affects the confidence of of a person um, and also it just doesn't provide a network. And so while you may feel like you um, have some questions or are trying to navigate your career, there's no one like you to kind of help you navigate these things. Whereas for folks that have more of a stronger network in organizations and in companies, you know, they look out for people that they know. It's a networking, and we are, we're all in networking industries. And so if you're outside of these areas, um, you may not see yourself at the top. So 
I think in terms of organizations, it's important to create these structures that allow one for that trajectory for um, junior and mid-level staff, but also as you're recruiting for these senior level positions, you know, it's also important to have that support in-house even at um, higher levels to retain talent. I think we'll often see folks that maybe are in more senior level SVP um, sorts of levels, but there's still not that same support across um, the C-suite. And so, again, more in terms of resources and tools that allows people to flourish in their career. And, and to add on to that, you know, um, the way for us to see diversity not be at the bottom of the corporate ladder is one, uh, you know, going back to what I said earlier, changing the attitudes, changing the attitudes of the organization, changing the uh, implicit biases, um, increasing your allyship and partnerships. Uh, and that can be several things, you know, that, that can be partnering with diverse organizations, um, using your influence to connect people, um, making introductions, you know, so that, uh, you know, a diverse candidate or a diverse employee does not feel excluded, but will feel included. Uh, and then also, too, uh, this is where it's important to have uh, uh, internal communications and external communications that are beneficial to all people within the organization. And then lastly, you know, for the organization to hold themselves accountable, uh, taking a stand and showing why inclusion is important um, and making sure that you deliver on that statement. All excellent points. Thank you, guys. I think, um, you know, if there's anything I would add to it too, you know, we're all marketers here on the call. Um, you know, there's something to be said about company pride and company spirit when you see the diversity going throughout different levels in your organization as well. It, it brings a sense of pride to you as an employee of that organization. It's something that you really take and you really want to wave that flag and you know that it's a genuine philosophy within your organization. It's something to really be proud of. So with that being said, I'll move on to the creative process because I want to make sure we get all of this stuff in here. And, you know, a lot of us are challenged um, quite a bit, especially around this time where, you know, diversity is something that we definitely feel that it needs to be represented. But, um, you know, there are certain obstacles in that process. So I'll point this one to you, Tiffany. Um, we understand diversity is essential for good marketing teams today. But uh, what are the dangers of not having diverse perspectives in the creative process? Yeah, so at the onset, I mean, you, you can encounter um, creative blunders. You may not get a cultural nuance. You may uh, try to capitalize on what is a movement moment and, and come across as inauthentic. Um, and that will cause you to alienate audiences and um, they're unable to kind of find that relatability. Um, we're in the era of, you know, folks are calling you out. And so with that, you know, that conversation can continue to grow upon itself. And now you're a brand that doesn't get it. Um, that will cause me to go look at a competitor. Um, but beyond that, I think it's also beyond that, um, you know, as we are in kind of these unprecedented times and we do have the opportunity to um, kind of reimagine what uh, corporate cultures look like, I think it's important to 
be able to have these different voices at the table in order to not in order to not encounter these sort of creative blunders. Right, you're almost arming yourself with with more more uh, tools and more weaponry when you have different perspectives in those rooms. Uh, also, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, you know, just just you know, companies need to make sure that their marketing is culturally competent. You know, um, mainly the CRE industry uh, and the people that they serve. You know, they are becoming more and more diverse. You know, and there's diversity in culture, there's diversity in behavior, and there's also diversity in thought. So, um, as I mentioned, we have to make sure that our marketing is culturally competent and that, you know, we are attracting an audience regardless of their color, regardless of their age or their background. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's not only in marketing itself, but also starting internally in the workplace as well, and even on the board too. Right. No, I, I definitely agree. And, you know, I'll, I'll even add, you know, a lot of times intentions will be in the right place. Right. But when you don't have that other opinion, that other voice, and we're not just making this a black thing at all, but when you, you really want to have a, a, a diverse um, room when, when you're talking about creative, because you're speaking to such a wide swath of groups now that it's important that you have these perspectives. Um, you know, whether it's women, LGBTQ, um, you know, different age groups, I think it's very important to that creative process. You know, I think for so many, we're so, especially in commercial real estate, uh, you know, I'll, I'll even admit, you know, being in the industry for over 15 years, um, walking the halls of ICSC or recon, I should say, um, you'll see a lot of the same types right? But it's starting to change. It's starting to evolve, especially when we're trying to communicate to the outside world, outside of our bubble, which looks a lot different than our industry. You're going to want more diverse minds in that in that room to give you some perspective. Um, so and that kind of... Son, are yeah. you to add oh, go ahead. Please. Uh, no, just to, to add on to that, you know, you, you made a good point that, you know, the CRE industry does not look like what the outside looks like. And that's where we need to make that connection, because at the end of the day, it's also good for business. You know, if you're not realizing that it is important to um, be diverse, you're, you're sort of losing out. You're losing out on talent um, and you're losing out on business as well. too. That's right. That's right. And I think each one of us, not just the. Uh, you know, the heads of our company, each one of us has a duty to help to, to break that up and bring in some more diverse uh, minds into our, our industry, right? So whether it's mm -hmm. how we represent ourselves through our ads and our advertising, or when we um, showcase um, our company culture, right? So I think each one of us plays a part to kind of break open these barriers and help bring in this influx of talent that otherwise are going to other industries, right? But I think the CRE uh, industry could really benefit from an influx of diverse talent. So that's a good uh, segue as we stay in the creative process. Now, this one is a little different, right? You know, there's probably a lot of marketers on the call right now that say, you know what, Rashawn, I, I, I make sure I check the boxes. I've got in all my advertising, I make sure I have a, a nice rainbow coalition of folks being uh, <laughs> represented here. but I want to touch on something that kind of speaks to that. Um, 
And the idea behind it is what is termed tokenism, right? Now, folks are probably wondering, what do you mean by that, by tokenism? I have a definition here for you. I'll read it for you. So it says here, tokenism is superficial. It's diversity without a commitment to inclusivity. It is a show where marginalized people are used as props for the benefit of the company. So while we're asking and urging creatives to make sure that they're showing diversity in a lot of their um, creative um, you know, assets, that you, you walk a thin line to make sure that, okay, am I just slapping on tokenism here just to make sure that my company checks all the boxes? So I wanna to touch on that one. It's a thin line to walk, but um, I'll point this one to Osa. How can brands avoid tokenism, but address diversity and representation in advertising? Yeah, so I, I'll give you an example because I, I was doing some research on it and I know we spoke briefly about some examples of tokenism. And there was an article about 10 years ago in Society Pages uh, it was called Doctor in Diversity, Race and Photoshop. And it focused on uh, a university, University of Wisconsin, uh, the marketing materials that they used every year included uh, one black individual, Diallo Shabazz, and his image was used every year. He saw it every year, it was almost like a running joke. But then at one year, he noticed that his image was actually now Photoshopped. It wasn't even in the, 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 the recent photo, it was Photoshopped. And uh, the advertisers and the university thought it was fine to do that, you know? And that's something we need to avoid doing. What ended up happening was that he did sue the school. Um, he didn't ask for a settlement, but he did ask for a budgetary apology. And that budgetary apology basically meant um, putting money aside for actual recruitment of minority students. Uh, uh, they earmarked uh, $10 million for diversity initiatives across the University of Washington system. So when it goes back to advertising uh, and, and tying it to the CRE industry, that's where we need to bring in diversity of thought and diversity of talent to avoid mistakes like this. Um, Another example, a couple of years ago, there was a movie, a couple's retreat, and, and the images were like all over the website, all over the internet, where uh, the, the movie ad in New York uh, or in the U.S. included a black couple, but the advertising in the U.K. did not. Uh, why that happened, I don't know. I don't know if they felt that, you know, they would sell more if they didn't include a black couple. And then that's where we need to go back and look at what exactly is your view of diversity and inclusion. One thing it should not be is a commodity to make a sale. You know, so we, we, we need to uh, focus on that. Uh, and, and again, going back to CRE and going back to marketing, we need to do less Photoshopping and more hiring. Uh, we need to do more inclusion and more equity on that end. Um, and that's how we can avoid the mistakes of tokenism when it comes to diversity and representation in advertising. Yeah, definitely. And Tiffany, anything you want to share from outside of our CRE bubble when it comes to this matter? Yeah, I think there's just great opportunity for the CRE industry to look outside. I mean, if you're looking at just what's going on in the world, like sometimes I think we try to overcomplicate and over-engineer 
this whole process. But at the end of the day, we're all marketers. We all know that things come from trends and insights and being culturally relevant. So I think looking in terms of categories that are really driving culture and culture creators in general, um, if you look at, at the fashion industry, which, you know, has had to diversify, if we go back to, you know, the digitization of fashion and bloggers, and now we have influencers, you know, there's people that are going to tell the story of your brand, whether you want them to or not. And so um, it's important at this point, if you are a more slower moving brand to this era of marketing, to look at these industries and see what they've had to do to adapt and to incorporate those into your marketing practices. I think creatively, we can go beyond showing a spectrum of color in the, in the correct quote unquote order to show diversity. Um, that's just not what's going on. I think we should look at what Gen Z is doing and creating and the platforms that they're on to understand what it is that people are going to resonate with. And so a lot of it is really just being in tune with what's going on around you, what's taking place in the world and what real people are engaging with from a, a content perspective. Yeah, definitely. So I got, I got one here that just came to the top of my mind. You guys don't know this question's coming, but we're on the topic of content, uh, tokenism, if you will, um, you know, folks being used as props. So we're, we're in the, well, the, towards the end of Black History Month. I know I have certain feelings on the topics of Black History Month, Martin Luther King Day, and when it comes to content, right? Um, and I'm curious to hear both of your perspectives on this, but it kind of irks me that we only see Black faces and Black voices and the Google Doodle changes uh, to Black, Red, and Green during this month, or we only hear about um, black folks of uh, you know who have had major accomplishments around this time. I mean, what are your thoughts on black? Well, let's take Martin Luther King for example. Martin Luther King Day, um, you know, him being used as content in a, in your calendar. I mean, does that irk you when you see brands who normally wouldn't speak on the matter otherwise, but just kind of shoving that one in there? Or am I being a little petty? It used to. I, I, I would say it. Oh, sorry, Tiffany. I'll let you go. Go ahead, Tiffany. Uh, no, no sorry. Um, no, I, I actually was going to say I have definitely been at the table where I've told clients and challenged brands that they, are, they do not have the authority to speak on it. And if you're only going to speak on these sorts of topics at this time, then this is lip service and this is inauthentic to the brand. So you can either take the L of not being a part of a conversation <laughs> by right. going quiet, or we can start to implement some practices for the long term. And so, I, again, it goes back to having, you know, that representation and people at the table that are able to have those sorts of difficult conversations. But no, I don't mind MLK content. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know, any of those those moments in time when we should be celebrating diversity and underrepresented voices, we should always do so. Um, but in general, I think it's important to make sure that once we have those moments to continue that conversation and continue to see other people that maybe aren't so mainstream and to highlight, you know, other historical yeah. folks or, or moments that people should be aware of. Yep. That's kind of what, where I'm at. I mean, it's like, okay, we've chosen one uh, person to kind of, highlight, but I want to learn about, and I want others to learn about some of the other folks of color who have had some great accomplishments and have, 
you know, really change the world as we see it today. Also, were you going to add anything there? Yeah, I was I was going to say, you know, uh, it used to bother me. Um, it doesn't as much anymore. And going back to uh, what you said, Tiffany, you know, implementing practices uh, for the ability for people to know more about others outside of Martin Luther King, um, outside of a Harriet Tubman and, you know, Thurgood Marshall, although nothing wrong with Thurgood Marshall. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think, again, it goes back to having diversity of thought and diverse talent to be able to have those conversations to create a culture that makes your employees and your talent comfortable to share, um, to share about the accomplishments of other people, to bring ideas to the organization of what could be done during Black History Month or even throughout the year. Um, but again, creating that culture that makes them feel inclusive and makes them feel comfortable to come out and say it. Um, I will say, in the last two years, uh, we have seen a change in that where, uh, you know, more people of color have stronger voices to be right. able to highlight um, the, the uh, contributions of, you know, diverse individuals uh, across the country. So, and then also with the power of social media, you know, we're able to get the word out about history makers, you know, um, outside of what we have been taught you know, 15, 20 years ago in school, but to really see people that are making a difference. Um, also, companies highlighting their diverse employees within that are doing great things, you know, uh, allowing employees to participate in panel discussions and interviews so that there is more representation and there's more awareness about the caliber of talent within that organization is also important as well too, and it, it'll help us to reduce just your typical Martin Luther King images um, yeah. and, and your recycled images that you see every year. Yeah, it just seems lazy to me. I, I think yeah. when I start to see it throughout the calendars, when I, I'll start to really feel like it means something, but it, mm -hmm. to me, it, I, I worry that, you know, Dr. King is turning into a mascot and I, I don't like when brands just co-opt it just to feel like, oh, look, we've checked off our list we've got some black history content there um yeah. but i'll you know I'll, I'll leave it at this you know black history is american history and yeah. it shouldn't be regulated into one month right i think folks should be learning about this stuff and learning about um different types of folks throughout the year weave it in you know and then that way we'll believe that your brand your company really believe in in these values right and I think it helps to grow and change the perceptions of future generations when they understand that this isn't their history, but it's our history. So I'll just, I'll just leave it there. Um, so we're gonna move on to recruiting, right? And um, I think uh, I wanna ask you guys a couple questions, but I think you know this is where actions really starts to begin and starts to change for our industry. Um, like we, we stated earlier, I think, you know, our industry, you know, will admit it, it has done a poor job of really opening itself up to diverse talent. Um, but, you know, in the in the area of recruiting, um, and I'll point this one to, I'll go Tiffany first and then Osa. Um, 
are there subconscious perceptions of minority talent? And if so, what are they? And then I'll, you know, ask Osa, how can we go about removing these preconceived notions? Tiffany? Yeah, I think even before we get to some of the preconceived notions, it's this um, this notion that this talent doesn't exist. I, I can't find anyone who does this. And, and it's, it, and it blows my mind every time I'm, I'm writing lists constantly. I had to, you know, write a list last night for just industries where it's just like, I can't find anyone um, to diversify. So I don't know, maybe. And it's just honestly not acceptable. Um, I've had to learn across a variety of categories, um, industry-wise, demographics, different cultures, age groups to sell a product. I, I find it difficult to accept the fact that you just can't find talent <laughs> um, when there are organizations that exist as pipelines, when there are schools and programs and HBCUs where you can go and find talent. And so I think for um, my perspective, it really starts with, you know, the action of being willing to identify the talent. Totally, totally. Yeah. And also, um, you know, I'll point it back to you. I mean, there you, we've had these conversations about the subconscious perceptions of minority talent. Um, mm -hmm. you know, what can companies do to combat these? And you know, again, subconscious means you don't even know that you're 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 having these ideas in your head. I mean, what kind of exercises or not even exercises, what can be done to really change the minds of hiring managers? Yeah, so again, it goes back to attitude and culture. Um, there are attitudes and stereotypes that affect the way we understand, the way we make decisions in an unconscious manner. So for example, in the workplace or when it comes to hiring, there are, uh, there are organizations that may prefer a candidate who went to a specific university or lives in a certain neighborhood or is part of a club or organization within their inner circle, right? So right there, you are associating those things with one, eligibility, and two, intelligence. So uh, just like Tiffany said, when you hear someone say, I can't find talent. Where are you looking? You know, and what does talent look like to you as well? You know, so it's it's a harmful unconscious bias to uh, associate what talent looks like based on what school they went to and where they live or what club they're in, because it's creating this concrete wall um, that's excluding people. And those are the people that you can't find. You know, you're, you're subconsciously excluding them because they don't fit the image of what you're looking for. Uh, so last year, uh, Project REAP, which is the organization that I work for, and our, our focus is to advance diversity, equity, and inclusion in commercial real estate. And we do that through education, through mentorship, and through partnerships. Uh, one thing we did last year in the wake of COVID and, and the various social injustices that happened, uh, we sent out a call to action to uh, the CRE industry as well as the Fortune 500 companies, challenging them about just that, you know, your lack of getting diverse talent within your organizations. And uh, there were several things that we specifically addressed. And one of them was to embrace diversity. 
you know, uh, the most successful companies, they invest in, in diversity and inclusion because they view it as a source of competitive advantage. Uh, two, I don't want to hear, I can't find talent. You have to be intentional about diversity, you know? So you have to make sure that your marketing and your outreach uh, is culturally competent. You know, we have to make sure that it's attracting a diverse audience. Uh, you have to invest in your investment. You know, if you have di existing diverse talent within your organization, reach out to them and find out from them, you know, what are organizations that you're a part of? You know, how can we get in contact with the alumni associations at your university? You know, um, invest in that talent, you know, pay for, uh, you know, their trade association memberships, pay for their professional development courses. You know, that in itself promotes inclusion. But we also have to check our own biases as well. You know, we have to find actions to understand and to mitigate them. We need to have conversations, just like the conversation we're having now. You know, have those difficult conversations with your friends, your colleagues, your coworkers. And then also, too, go outside of your comfort zone so that you can learn about the experiences as well as the perspectives of others. Totally. No, I, I, I tend to agree with everything that you're laying out there. Um, you know, and you're right. They, it, it, anytime the topic comes up, the conversation always goes to, you know, I'm willing, I'm looking, but I just can't find that talent. And I think you laid it out clearly there that we're just not trying hard enough, honestly. Um, some, of, some of our companies are in like remote pockets. Sure. Some of us are right here and New York City or, you know, places like Atlanta where, I mean, you know, what it, what's the excuse now, you know? Um, so with that being said, um, I would love if we could maybe bring back in Sarah and hey. you guys would like to join the convo. Um, because again, I, you know, I, this should be a very open conversation. I, I don't know if there were questions in the queue that you wanted to bring up or if you guys wanted to add any thoughts yourselves. To the topics. I I was gonna just say you guys are incredible. I think this has been enlightening. And I, you know, being as you know, this industry is male dominated. I mean, it's <laughs> it's crazy. The the numbers are staggering. And I, I mean, what can we do? I mean, I'm a website and I posted in the in the uh, the chat, you know, what what can we do to change it? I mean you know, I don't run a company that is a commercial real estate company, but I've worked for them and I was usually the only woman in the company. So, you know, I, I, is there something else we can do as just individuals? Yeah. You, you, you know, one thing I, I've witnessed and it's not just in the mark in the marketing realm, but I worry that the CRE community, when it comes to growing talent, are looking for mini memes, right? So you get another generation of the same type of personalities, the same folks that you uh, that are aging out, right? So I think if, if the oh my gosh, son, yes, I, yeah, I, you know, yes. I think it's a major yes. issue because you know I think I look at hiring ma managers throughout my career and the 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 next generation that they come in after them, I'm like, this is just a mini me of you, you know? Yes. And we need yes. to break out of that habit. And well, say, okay, let's bring, let's break down these silos and, and break up these clubs and really open this thing up, you know, with the ladies, with the, 
you know, different sexual orientations or different racial uh, backgrounds. Let, let's bring let's bring in new cultures into the fold here, and the industry is going to be better off because of it. Now, when, yeah. when we come out of this 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 you know quarantine thing, I really hope that our trade organizations, the the big players within our industries, are really authentic in, in trying to break down these these uh, old clubs and these old ways of doing things. Um, we're, we're, we're finding innovation when it comes to technology and practices from a business standpoint, but we've got to find some innovation when it comes to recruiting and, uh, you know, inclusion throughout the, uh, the industry. Yeah, I, I, I love that. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead, Sarah. So, yeah, so I wanted to, to talk about that, the mini-me, because that's something that I just, I kept thinking through this entire conversation was the mini-me mentality. And, um, you know, it's like people at the base of everything, right, is that they want to work with people that they like and they feel comfortable around, right? So if you look at these CEOs, COOs, these people who are running companies and like go to their Instagram account. Right. And I was almost going to be like, I'm sorry if I make feel anybody feel uncomfortable, but I'm actually not sorry at all for saying this. But when I go to their, you know, their, their social media, I see zero black people. Mm. And for me, like, how are you going to make a difference in your company if you aren't even real about it in your life? Do you know what I mean? And that's what bothers me. And 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 you know i'm sorry if i'm making people feel uncomfortable but i'm like again i'm not <laughs> like i'm just saying it to be nice no, but it's just it's like it's like to make a because if you know your co coo you're like okay well you know and and i am putting people into a bucket because it's a real bucket that you know mm. white the white men they hang out together right and so they're like well i'm gonna hire another white male because i know he's probably gonna like, you know, do everything that I do or like everything that I like, or if I want to have a conversation that's inappropriate, that they're cool with that, like whatever it is, right? I don't, I don't know what the reasons are. It's all of that. I'm not a white male, but, um, but the thing is, is that like how, and then I feel like at the CEO level, some people are like, oh my gosh, we need diversity because they don't want to get sued, right? It's not real. Because again, if you look on your Instagram or you looked on your Facebook page, or if you look that, like, where's the black people? Like, where's the diversity? You know yeah. what I mean? And so, and I'm like, you know, if you're like, oh, I have a black friend. Like that doesn't count either. Like, but, but Sarah, it's not just black and white. It's like Rashawn said, it's, it's everything. It's, it's, it's no, I know, it's, but it's everything. I mean, look at our industry. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, but I, our I think it is black and white though, Linda, I really do because like, white women are starting to get hired, which is great. It's awesome. And they have been. My mom was a broke every glass ceiling in the industry. She was president of, of Regency Centers. Like she, like I saw it all happen, but I still yet to see black people at the top in commercial real estate. It's like it's 2021 people. And I really feel like the issue lies with the leadership, a hundred percent, which is why I'm bringing it up. And I'm bringing it up because, you know, I wanted to do this call, not just for you know, Black History Month, it's really a right. huge, bigger movement than that for me personally. And I want to make a difference. Like, I, I truly want, you know, and whether we have to scare every CEO of being like, okay, you need to like widen your, your friend base and like get exposure to a different culture that you didn't grow up with. 
whatever it takes, I don't care. I just, I needs to start happening. And when Osa says, oh, I have, you know, all this amazing talent that works with these amazing brands, way more impressive brands than anyone in commercial real estate, like way, like huge, huge fortune 500 companies. And our industry is sending her internship positions when she's like, I I, I was going to speak to that. I was going to speak to that. Insulting. It's insulting. Yeah. Go for it, Elsa. Yeah. So, you know, and you brought up a good point. One, the mini me mentality, but also it is tied to leadership. And the reason why this continues to happen is because the gatekeepers are afraid to speak up. You know, and when I say gatekeepers, I'm talking about the recruiters, I'm talking about the hiring managers. They are so used to leadership look in a certain way or uh, certain roles look in a certain way that they're not even willing to share those roles. And, I, I, and I've, I've had several instances like that. You know, with the work that I do, I work closely with recruiters and hiring managers who tell me they are looking for diverse talent. And, you know, as Sarah mentioned, I'll give you an example, Leslie Horton Campbell. She's currently the general counsel and corporate secretary at the International Council of Shopping Centers. She is a REAP alumni. John Gilmore, who is managing director at Walken Dunlop, he's a REAP alumni. And Joe Robinson Gaylord, who is senior vice president of store development at Rite Aid, is a REAP alumni. London Kemp, who is the global head of real estate at Amazon, is a REAP alumni. So when I speak to hiring managers or when I speak to representatives of organizations that are tasked to bring in more diverse talent, I specifically speak about alumni like these people that I just mentioned and even more. Uh, We've been around for 23 years, which means that we have talent that have been in the industry for those years. That means they have the experience. But like Sarah said, I can have a whole conversation for 30 minutes to talk about the various experiences to talk about the, the talent that we have, and I'm offered internships. Why? Because one, the recruiters are afraid to even give me positions that she knows that my talent will be eligible for because the leaders don't want anyone that doesn't look like them. That's and that's right. where we need to start having those conversations. That's where the recruiters need to speak up and HR managers need to speak up. It's also why I always say whenever I see a chief diversity officer role, if it is not a role that's directly connected to the CEO, then I know that it's not affecting change. If I see that it's connected to the HR department, then there's limitations to it, you know, and that's why uh, within that role, it changes so much because it really is just talk. You know, there there really isn't much change done to um, bring in more diverse talent within that industry. So we need to make those changes on that end. Yeah, totally. I think if you are on this call and you're somehow, you know, related to certain diversity initiatives, you know, you have a big responsibility to make sure that the decision makers are genuine about their intentions with, with these programs and whatnot. They're not just bringing in some third party consultancy group just to check it off and then brag about it on social media saying, oh, we sat down and listened to, guess what? Let me see it actually impact your business and your um, your employee base there. And then I'll start to really believe in 
your your actions. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it here and I'll open it up for anybody who has any closing remarks. Um, to Osa's point, guess what? All the people that we do business with, all the retailers, the national retailers, they, they've gotten wind of this and they're starting to shake up their, their structures and their org charts and making sure that diversity is a part of it. And I think it's time that, you know, CRE changes along with, with these folks and understand that it, the time is now. It's been, uh, we've been late to this for some time, um, but right now is the moment. And I think all of us play a part in changing and breaking these, these, um, these barriers down. So with that being said, Tiffany, anything you wanna close with? Yeah, um, well, thanks for having me, first of all. Um, this has been really fun and, and, you know, I hope informative as well. Um, like you said, Rashawn, this is just a time to be bold, particularly in this industry. And so, um, you know, whether it's an ethnic makeup or religious makeup, when you're bringing diversity to, to the table, you're bringing diverse experiences as well. And as we are all looking to crack solutions, the more minds that we have, the more different life experiences that are at the table, the more we're able to solve these problems and innovate. Absolutely. And Osa, anything you want to leave with? Sure. So, you know, one thing I always say is diversity is the quality of being different. So um, we have to be open to differences. Um, and that's the only way that things can change. Uh, and being open to differences is, again, you know, continuing to have conversations like we're having now, um, looking to see what can be fixed and what can be changed within your own organization, um, being open to partnerships um, and opportunities, and also sharing your network. You know, uh, Linda, you brought up, you know, how, how can we change it? What is it that we can do? And that's one of the most uh, powerful things that you can do is sharing your network, you know, introducing uh, people that don't look like you to your professional network, you know, make recommendations. Uh, create opportunities to invite them to your social circle, you know, because that in itself promotes inclusion. Uh, and, you know, as I mentioned earlier, Project Re did issue a call to action. So if you would like to get more information on that, uh, you can visit projectreap.org. That's P-R-O-J-E-C-T-R-E-A-P.org. Awesome. And thank you again for allow me to speak on this today you know this was really great great conversation yeah, no thank you guys tiffany osa you guys were great um i'll hand it back to sarah but i just want to yes. you know tiffany hit it right on the head be bold honestly i think you'll be rewarded whether it's through the creative process in the workplace and in recruiting all right so thank you sarah yeah Appreciate thank it. you guys so much for sean tiffany and osa I can't thank you enough. Again, this is a conversation that needs to keep on going. So we need to figure out how to keep this going, especially within our industry. So we can talk offline, but um, you know, again, this is the whole point of this, having this call is to make something happen. And we need to make sure within when we're marketing that we're thinking of everybody that's involved. And the only way to do that well is to have those represented when you're you know putting together your strategy so uh, we want to make sure that again 
we invite you guys back. We'd love to have you back and talk again. And um, I just can't thank you enough. And definitely reach out to each one of them, Rashawn, Tiffany, and Osa. I put their LinkedIn profiles in the chat, or you can look them up on LinkedIn. And um, yeah, I, I can't thank you enough. You guys did such a great job. Thank you. Thanks, yeah, guys. it was excellent. And and I think the 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 project reap. I mean, that's eye opening to me. And I think we don't hear about it enough in our circle, Sarah. So I think it's our job to keep it in front of everybody because they're not aware of it. Yeah, definitely. And 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 we're you know what we're doing differently, and we started last year is doing more partnerships so that the CRE industry is aware of it and getting more support from the trade associations too. So thank you for bringing that up. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. And um, next call is uh, March 30th at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I hope to see you guys on Clubhouse um, yeah. at Friday. Uh, at I also, also wanted to add, Sarah, I, I, I am on Clubhouse, but I have a droid and because I use an iPad. So for my <laughs> droid users, <laughs> grab yourself an iPad. Yeah, that's what I do. Out. I'm the same, Osa. I use my iPad. Oh, cool. I had to find yeah. you. Yeah. We keep it charged because they're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Now, I have a question. Deborah was asking for Osa's email. Now, I don't yeah, know if Osa. you want to give it to her offline or put it in yeah. the chat, Sarah. Deborah, I'll make, it, I'll make an intro. So yeah, you got it. You just need that in order to foster a connection on LinkedIn. Uh, and I and I want to know, oh, yeah. Sarah, how I can work with OSA as a partner in some way. I don't know what we can do, but we'd love to help. Yeah, Sarah, you can you can put my email address in the chat. O Bartholomew, last name Bartholomew at Project Reap R E A P dot org. Okay, hold on. I am doing it right now. You got it, Sarah? Yeah, I do. I just have to copy and paste. Because okay. she has a very long last name. <laughs> right. Well, we, we really appreciate you guys. And we're thrilled and honored to meet you. And can't wait to, to know you more and work with you in some fashion. Definitely. And Likewise. it was a wonderful talk. And you just knocked it out of the park, Rashawn. You were fabulous. Yeah, thank you, Rashawn. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and support Project Reap. Like, if you really want to do something and you're not in charge of hiring for your company, encourage them to partner with Project Reap. And and by that, I mean they need money, so that way they yeah. can make a difference. And we are so, a nonprofit, so yes, yeah. So definitely. they need they need checks to keep this going, and it's so important in our industry that we we keep this going. So well, I, uh, I'm, and, and I'm Tiffany. Tiffany is a Reap alumni of the program as well, too. Wow. I am true testimony to the network. So great. <laughs> well, thanks, everybody. Thank you for joining us today and being a part of our CRE marketing community. Follow us at CRE marketing underscore on Twitter for updates. See you next time.